All conversations and information exchanged during participation in this podcast or interaction on the Doctor.com website is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Do not confuse this with treatment or physician medical advice or direction per se. You must always follow your medical professional's advice and direction. Nothing on these podcasts or posted on this site supplements or supersedes the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Please understand, I am not playing the role of physician in this environment per se. I'm educating. I am a licensed physician with specialty boards in American Board of Internal Medicine and American Board of Addiction Medicine. Hey, this is Dr. Drew, and you are listening to This Life with Bob Foy and Dr. Drew. Here we are. Gather around your Android device and get ready to listen to another episode of This Life with Dr. Drew and Bob. Here we are. <laughs> Here we are. Yeah. Notice I said Android, not iPhone. Yeah, well done. Right? You're I'm, being inclusive. Thank you. I'm trying to be inclusive. I, I saw this horrible documentary about Chinese uh, re-education camps. They still exist. I'm sure. Right? Oh, Do yeah. you know that? Yeah, yeah, I know. Oh. Well, I didn't know until I watched this documentary. I didn't know yeah. that. What is that? It's just like the old Maoist thing. If you're not with the capitalist, communist kind of thing, if you show any signs of like not sticking yeah. to on point, they put you in these re-education. Uh, and it's now nowadays the modern version of the Maoist re-education communist things uh-huh. are it's free treatment. Yeah, yeah. The government is paying for you to to get treatment. Socialize. Well, let's so, introduce our so, guest. Yeah, first. introduce the guest. Yeah, who's the, who's the other voice? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's Dopey Dave. Dave no, from it's Dopey. Dave from Dopey. The I Dave from Dopey. <laughs> Dave from Dopey, the survivor. That's the politically correct. He's a survivor of the Lower East Side, of working in the restaurant industry for 30 years, of having his partner perish. Yeah. Now, perish. I met him about, I don't know, how long ago was it? Three years ago? I want to say two and a half two years and ago. Half on years a ago. afternoon. Yeah, on a, a beautiful, brisk, uh, Lower East Side morning. He's there. You know, the Lower East Side where I grew up and where I loved, it doesn't really exist anymore. It's all like Whole Very Foods nice. and like there's no there. dope. You can't buy any dope there anymore. Dave. You can. You can. Where? On Avenue D, between <laughs> Street and like Sixth Street, it's still exactly the You're same. Not helping. So you go a, over there, it's a time warp. Over Dopey there. Dave is a famous junkie from the Lower East Side oh, of New give York. Me a break. Here you are, <laughs> and he he experienced all the things that I experienced that still bring a twinkle to my eye. And anytime <laughs> we talk about Avenue A, Thirteenth and A, the candy stores. Remember candy the, stores. Yeah, they used to sell them at candy stores. Sell what? With bulletproof glass. Sell what? Heroin and Coke. Oh, my God. Right at the store. And, and uh, well, at I never bought pot stores. there. Wow. Yeah, they were candy stores. T- hmm. Dave, explain to Drew what a... It was like being in Disneyland, Drew, from 1981 oh, to 19... Oh, my God. <laughs> one, you don't like the way it is now. Now it is like Disneyland. Oh, then tell it was him, a drug tell addict him, Disneyland. Yeah, like, tell him, Dave. It was the greatest thing ever. Oh, my God. It was a society based on bodega economics. <laughs> and you could go from bodega to bodega and know what kind of dope you were going to get or who was going to be there. And that changed when I came up. That changed a lot because by the time I came up, you could only buy weed in bodegas. They weren't selling heroin. They sold both. heroin right in Bob the markets, Drew. You just walk right in and buy heroin. It's so crazy. It was great. Oh, God. Well, it was a whole economy based on that. That was the only reason you would go there then. 
It, it yeah, it was it. all squatting. I had friends who just went into an apartment building and hooked up the electricity and just lived in it for years, the, not weeks. The funniest thing, when I graduated college, I got an apartment on Norfolk Street, and I wasn't addicted to heroin yet. And they were selling heroin in the lobby. They would keep all the bundles like in the stairwell, like tucked in. And I wasn't even doing dope. And I was so like a part of the heroin economy of Norfolk street. And I knew all the dealers and it was still, it was not like people that wanted to kill you. Cause like <laughs> dope dealing was like almost the community back then because they knew all the junkies. They knew who was coming. They knew when you got your check, it was like a whole thing. And it doesn't know. exist anymore. Facebook wants to know why you still use the term junkie. I told him it was a term of endearment. It's a lovely term. We this idea that you have to change nomenclature is ill. <laughs> it's it's ill founded. No one this, knows what nomenclature is. Right, true, the the but... idea that you can't use the word addicted or you can't call a junkie a junkie has nothing. The 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 junkies taught me to use the word junkie. Okay, we it's wear not it proudly. A, it's proudly worn. It's not a term of in, of it. It in fact adds to stigma by making an issue of language. When you make an issue, you're actually saying that there's some stigma there that somebody's like Bob is not feeling. Do you feel stigmatized? I don't feel stigmatized. Okay. If somebody I goes, feel better then. Yeah, but, <laughs> right. Somebody goes, you can't call you a junkie. Do you feel stigmatized? No, you can't I use the word junkie. Then. Yeah, can you I know. call a millennial a junkie? So there's not. Yeah, junkie, junkie, Dave. Let's explain it. Junkie means a lot of things other than just addicted to right. opioids. That's right. It's a whole mentality. Yep. It's a, like you said. It's a community. When I went to Lower East Side for the first time in 1981, I think. I just walking around the village, you would see Dee Dee Ramone and Dr. John and Kitty Bruce, Lenny's daughter, and you would see your icon heroes. And what were they heroes of? They were heroes of seizing life by the throat and living it. And now junkie doesn't mean that. It well, doesn't mean that. It it's not also, Jack Kerouac and right. Neil Cassidy and right. Lou Reed and Bob Dylan. It's not that. Right. It, it also has an antisocial yes. flair. Yes. Oh, to it. De- yeah. Yeah. definitely. Is and, that. and so, and it's and it's something that you guys have always worn with uh, pride. And it, and we reminisce and about it. Agrees. Dave. Well, I think it, when my mother would say junkie, she would talk about like cheap jewelry she would buy on Canal Street, and she'd say, "Oh, that jewelry is very junky." And it would be it'd be funny. But the junkie that you're talking about, it's like there was a a, a, a currency of cool associated with artistic rock and roll junkies. And you kind of, I think a lot of people got caught up in aspiring to being one and not expecting the misery that came along. <laughs> right, exactly. So I didn't know whether to tell you, I didn't want to tell everybody, I'm going to, I'm going to break the news right here. What is the, oh, Dave, in your nice culture of junkiedom, what, who is the king of all junkies? I would say William Burroughs. No, nah, there's one higher than that. That's Jesus. Who's God? Keith Richards. Rick yes. <laughs> Keith no. Richards is your Keith Rick, Richards. Rick Salazar on, on yeah. what? Yeah. Bill Burroughs. Burroughs. Oh, Burroughs is above Keith Richards. No, no, I've no. always just thought Burroughs is at the right hand of God, but God is Keith Richards. Guess who? I, I, Keith, Keith, I always saw it as more as the son of God. <laughs> he was just like a facilitator. Burroughs seemed more like he was in a chair and everybody was coming okay, so, to so, bend so, and Kissing the ring. So Keith Richards is Jesus. So <laughs> Keith Richards is Jesus. So I got to tell you, Dave, this is going to blow your mind. I'm sitting in Tell the me. McDonald's Playland in Laverne, California, God. a week ago Friday, or last, yeah, a week ago, 
a week ago Friday. Sid goes up in those tunnels and she won't come down and I'm too big and old to get up in there. And so I just finally just give in and just sit there for an hour until she gets tired of it, right? My phone, I look down at my phone and there's a message on Instagram from a friend of mine. And I start reading it. Guess who it's from? Keith Richards. Oh my gosh. How Man. crazy is that? What did he want to tell you? What does he say? Well, I had sent a text to the... Why did you book him? I, I, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Susan never misses a beat. <laughs> All day long for me. Wow. All day long. <laughs> oh, he will? So, so, so the strangest thing happened. I had texted this friend because in it got rumored on the internet, and Nate can, can attest to this, that Keith Richards had said he stopped drinking. Okay. So yes. I, I yeah, said, that was a big story. Yeah, it was a big story. So I sent a text to a mutual friend of his. Is it true Keith stopped drinking because Trump's president, anything's possible. That's what I said. He yeah. picked up the phone and texted back. Wow. And he said, yes, that he didn't mean to be some some uh, proselytizer, that he did it for his health and vitality and all this kind of stuff, but he didn't want to be a poster boy. And he was talking to me because of us. Yeah. Like, he knows what celebrity rehab is. Keith Richards (laughs) knows what celebrity rehab is, Drew. It's fucking crazy. Have you talked to him before? No, never. When did this happen? Last Friday. I'm surprised you didn't call me immediately. I, I didn't know what to do. I was just overwhelmed. I'm getting overwhelmed That's, right now. Why did you, you, you text back and go, how, how are you doing it? I No, I texted back. I, I just said speechless. <laughs> when, when Dave, when Jesus texts you, what do you do? You, you just, I you're just I frozen. Like, it's like, I don't know. This whole story is fucking me up, <laughs> to be honest with you. It really is. Because Keith, it's like my buddy, I have this buddy I work with, and he is friendly with like Wadi Wachell and uh, Leland Sklar and all those guys, right? You know what I'm talking about, Bob? Those yes. records, the right. guys who played on those records. Yeah, on the Keith them. Richards solo records. Yeah, they all played on the Winos records. And they played a show at the Iridium, and my buddy invited me to go, and he said he went, and Keith was there. And I was just, I just stopped in my tracks. Because it's like I just love Keith so much, Me like too. in so many ways. Me and too. just to well, hear that he texted you, Bob, I'm I'm just amazed that I know you. Thank <laughs> you for letting me know. I that. know. I don't. So for all of you who feel that they're being stigmatized <laughs> by being around the word junkie, they are in heaven around junkie. Okay, Wait, so I just I just want to say part of the text because I don't want to exploit it and go on. Sure. You know what I mean? But he writes. He, he says something so poetic. This is what he said. Anyway, uh-huh. he, he sent me. Look at all the texts, Drew. Look at them all. Wow. He would say, "How much did he send you?" Oh my god, <laughs> quite a send bit. Send yourself that phone number. Quick. <laughs> 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 that no, but here. let me read him the poetic him? one. Take a snapshot. Yeah. Yeah. Let me read the poetic thing that Dave is just going to touch your heart, Dave, as to uh, his feelings about drinking. He says he doesn't regret it, right? But then he says, but I do regret that my soul was lonely, that my heart was empty, that Whoa. kind of thing. Whoa. I regret that uh, I felt like I had to drink every day. That, Whoa. in capital letters, I regret. Wow. Fucking A. Oh, my God. So, Dave, are you conscious right now? Should you sit down for a second? So what's going I'm on just, with him? I'm so amazed. <laughs> I'm so impressed and amazed. No, I'm really. Good because for I remember I, he, right. he was no, on Marin. But he, he doesn't want to the post. Pop, pop, pop. What? Dave's talking. Dave, go. Hold on, real quick. He was on Marin's show, and Marin was talking about the end of his using, 
heroin. Right. And, uh, and Keith said, he said, I would hate to lose my band over this shit. You know, that's the way he described it with dope. Right. But he didn't give up drinking. And when he talks about loneliness, and it's Keith, it's just like, oh, my God. You know, it's just beautiful and scary and sad. Because he must have been very lonely for a long time. Yeah. Right. You know, and I, I just, you know, so this stigma of calling people junkies or drug addicts or whatever, the greatest people, the most sensitive people, the most amazing people, the funniest people I've ever known in my life are junkies and alcoholics. Right. And, right. You know what I mean? We know. And, and yeah, some of them can be a bit boorish. You got to get me that phone number. Boring. But anyways, I... I uh, I just wanted to talk to you because it's been about six months since Chris died. Is that how long it's been? Um, Let's think. It It was was in uh, July. So, yeah. Yeah, we're coming up on that. Yeah. So, usually, you know, I've had a very close friend like him to you, to me. And it goes in cycles. Everyone else stops talking about it and stops thinking about it. And then it's just Dopey Dave. And then it'll be kind of forgotten that Chris was the co-host of it. Right? But you'll right. Well, part I make a you, point. I make a point of him every episode. Yeah, but part of you, you know? will never forget, and you're going to go through these grieving problems over and over again. It went on for years for me with this one death, right? And you gotta, you gotta live up to the moments that come, Dave. You can't slump them off, right? What do you mean by that? Yeah, what do you mean? Well. Like I was at a, I was at a fundraiser one time, and the guy's brother was there. And I could have just avoided him the whole time and stayed on different side of the different side of the room, right? But I felt like this is the moment the universe is giving to me to to make to to make it right, to make it as right as I can, right? So what happened with Chris's death, I felt was there was a lot of people were very much he didn't do anything wrong he didn't do anything bad he was a good person type of thing right whereas where you couldn't really talk about chris in a realistic way do you understand what i'm saying dave yeah i do so there was chris had a lot of devotees you know drew big time big time a lot of chris Chris worship Way like, more Chris fans than Dave fans in the Dopey Age. <laughs> right. I have to say. And so I made yeah. the mistake of saying he was an asshole when I was talking to, you know, one of them. Yeah. And, oh, my God. Well, he was really What did asshole. they say? It's like, hey, don't say that. Hey, that's not that's not cool. Well, he was an asshole like when, he, when we knew him back at the hospital. He was really, woo. But that was in his disease. Is that no, what but I mean, he was... he. He was an asshole in that he's one of us. He's like Dave and me. Yeah. Right? He's yeah. not like you. No. He was trying to act like you. Oh. And yeah, he wanted it, to be like Dr. He Drew. Wanted to be, he, he wanted totally to be you did. rather than be me, which I took personally. <laughs> you should. Fact. You totally should. <laughs> That's but, but you understand? And I think people tried to confront it a little bit, but, but the people who were believing he was you, they didn't really know him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you understand what I'm no, saying, I, Dave? No, I, I yeah, knew. I not a junkie. Well, but, but he was, his. It's complicated. His illness, you know, the course of his illness was world class. Right. He was not yeah. a simple junkie. He was a world class user. World and, class. But, he, but, and I thought. That just means you have a lot of resources. <laughs> maybe, maybe. But, if, he, but he used If a them. real junkie he has resources, them. they can be that come that. Okay. I'll grant you that, but but I but I felt like the reason I became a Chris devotee 
is I felt like he, he understood what that was. He really understood. Objectively about he himself. He really understood what, where he'd taken himself with that. And that, that's what I admired. But that didn't make him any less of a But junkie. I think it's going to be hard for... I just want you to just confront whatever comes along. Right, Dave? Because you're yeah, alive I mean, and he's I, I dead. Yeah, I mean, I do. With Chris, I would, when he was alive, I would tell him he was full of shit every episode. Right. Because he was. And he would, he would like, put on this whole talk about... Like, he would put on Dr. Drew talk. He would put on the talk <laughs> from school. And I would be like, you're so full of shit. And like, and then he would always cop to being full of shit, and that's how I knew he was okay. Right, exactly. And then in the end, exactly. he stopped copying to be full of shit, to be full of shit, and he stopped going to meetings, and he replaced his spiritual Oof. program with a program of psychobabble. Right. Yeah. And, and it and it and it and it destroyed him. And with Chris, you know, I love Chris, and I miss this Chris, and, and like Dopey is doing better and better, and I don't have a day that I I don't wish he was alive, and I'm not angry that he doesn't get to do it with me because I prefer to do it with him, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it's just, it's, it's, you know, like I told you guys, my other best friend died over the summer mm. and he was like a victim. Chris knew better. Chris could do everything right. It was right in his grasp not to fuck this up. So I, I'm still kind of angry about it. Well, but you, know? but you also know how bad his disease was and he needed his sober peers calling him out constantly because his right. bullshit, his bullshit right. thinking will take over. And if if you're not there confronting him, if he's not going to meetings, if he's not checking in with somebody, it, it took over. Well, I didn't know uh, when I was on Dopey a couple of times and you go back and, and look for it, Dave, because I, I said when Chris was talking all that psychobabble, I said, what are you, a fucking doctor now? Well, he was in training. Right. <laughs> yeah. He was, he was well, in I didn't know. Program. I thought he was still the harassed yeah. crazy. No, no, no. You know? <laughs> no, no. He was getting a sighting, which I loved. I loved that. But I remember, Dave, didn't you and I and he talk about not letting that become his program or take over? You know, you remember that whole conversation? In your in your apartment, yes, because yeah. because I, mean, I was saying, Chris, Chris, go ahead, please, Chris, no, you what? please. Well, I was just gonna, I was just saying, you know, all, all that all that great thinking doesn't won't do him any good. All that knowledge, if he doesn't also do his program and check, because he's still got his brain, and and maybe it can help him in his sort of service to other people and sort of See, aspects of his recovery. I think, and, I think it's important, Dave, to spread the message of you. you know, if you're a junkie, you're a junkie. And you better be very cautious if you think you can transition into being Dr. Drew well, but and not remember that you're a junkie constantly and, and remember that you have, to, you have a duality to you. Bob, hang he on a forgot, second. Bob, Bob had that version. Bob had a moment like that, too. And so what he started doing was going to the track. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I like that. To, no, to Morongo, to Morongo. the casino. <laughs> right? Yes. Uh, Drew's absolutely right. When I started to feel like I'm different, I'm not like all my junkie friends now, I'm do- the right hand of Dr. Drew, I run a hospital, I started gambling, Dave. I don't know if you know this or not. No, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> because Tell why me. wouldn't you? Because why wouldn't you? <laughs> because you're perfect. <laughs> like... you're, you're important now. You can gamble. Oh, my God. Right? You can do what you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So good. I can't so I, do I, I chose a less deadly vice. Oh my god, it's so funny. Did you see this guy going off on the junkie thing? Uh, uh, well, hold on. What are they saying about junkies? Don't like junkie terms. I'm seeing, I'm seeing, I'm seeing lots of tr- 
problematic stuff here. So let me get to some of it right now. Junkie carries an arrogance to it. They say. Oh yeah. yeah. I, okay. Okay. Hold on. Scroll down. Okay. Hold on. Here's a girl. Uh, Katie says Kate, uh, Kaiser doctor told me AA doesn't work. What are your thoughts? There is a not only does Dr. Bruce tell her that yeah, no, not only does, <laughs> does it work, on, Bob, but there is there is overwhelming evidence. There's about to be a Cochrane analysis published by the head of addiction services at Harvard and Stanford. The two heads of the biggest program, the most and the most erudite academic programs in the country are going to publish this. They've almost got it out. Cochrane analyses are the highest level of meta-analysis review, and they're they've been telling me that it shows clearly. That I don't know the details, so I'll be able to parse out the details. 12-step is equal. 12-step is as good as any other treatment unless abstinence, actual full-blown abstinence is your goal, then it's superior to everything else we have, and it's free. It's free, and it's available everywhere. Uh, Term of endearment for junkie. Uh, Hold on a second. Let's attack Uh, the arrogant part. It is arrogant. So let me go down. I'm going down to Tim. I don't see Tim. Illicit drug use, is a, use disorder is the most stigmatized health condition in the world. Okay. Is, is illicit use disorder stigmatized? Yes. Okay. Okay. So, so calling it a use disorder. Okay. It's already stigmatizing it. Calling it a use disorder. I can't find it. But it's, suggesting. It's right, scroll down. But, but that's just new cover <laughs> that, that, that the medical profession has given. So when you say substance use disorder, that suggests that some people use substances orderly, whatever category of drugs. So there are people who use methamphetamine orderly and correctively. Uh, there are people who use heroin orderly no, and correctively. No, 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 no. Those all would qualify for substance use disorder. They would, they would, they would be sort of mild, intermittent substance use disorder. But w- the disorder. In fact, means- this is the, what I like about the new nomenclature is that it picks up people and co- and gives them, you know, a, a specific kind of diagnosis with. So, the are there addiction. people that use substances healthily? <coughs> because that's what it suggests. No, this, this is the category you're, you're of people who you're misreading it. It's not substance it. use disorder, meaning they use substances disorderly, <laughs> unhealthily. Right. There's there's no using any substance without uh, that that has addictive potential without the directive of a, of a professional would be considered use disorder. Right. So Should so I read this whole thing. Uh, hang on. It. It's a very very long paragraph, right? There's two of them, right? Well, yeah. Go up, like start at the bottom. And <coughs> okay. Well, find and it and read it. We're on the air. All right. Here we go. We're on the air. I'll read. I got it. Illicit drug disorder is the most stigmatized condition in the world, with alcohol use disorder not far behind. Uh, among a list of 18 of the most stigmatized conditions internationally, importantly, the degree of stigma is related to the perceived cause of addiction. If perceived not to be someone's fault, stigma is lower. Right. So this is part of the things we always fight is the disease model. And perceived control over the condition, right? If it's perceived not to be under control, stigma is lower. So the reason stigma is significantly lower than when I first started this is people are beginning to understand that it's outside of their control. Based on your words, you use, uh, you're contributing or adding to stigma. Uh, let's see, is this still the same guy? Yeah. Growing up, we all heard sometimes voice the childish refrain, sticks and stones break my bones, but words still never hurt me. But words can and do hurt in ways that we are not aware and cannot always anticipate. Uh, because substance-related conditions are the number one public health concern in the United States, and stigma is a major barrier to access. By the way, stigma is not the barrier to accessing treatment. I have not experienced that. Have you experienced that? 
I don't even know what the guy's talking about. So what's his point? He junkies like, like to be called junkies. His we point, like it. His point is that the stigma, this is the, something I hear all the time, which is stigma is what prevents people from going to treatment. And look, when like the people, stigma of white uh, uh, being called an addict, but, but no, or but, acknowledge that you have addiction. Which no, but your stigma. favorite stigma, which is white, what's privilege? Yeah, yeah. Is that is that no, a stigma? No, it's not what he's saying. Uh, they, they, this he's is using a, words to disguise things. Yeah, no, no, no. That they are saying that words are adding to stigma, and I am. There's arguing. nothing more stigmatic than ODing and pooping your pants. Right, and and addicts will use any reason to obfuscate their care. Anything they can pull upon, they will use. And if you start giving them stigma as one of the things they can point at, believe me, they well, will use they it. Sure. Life right. is filled with stigma. No, do you Did you ever feel stigmatized as a drug addict? Ever? Even no. when you were in your really bad days? No, but, but railing against stigma, okay. Well, I, I, I'm up to rail against stigma because like the obsessive-compulsive disorder patients, they get stigmatized. Hoarders, stigmatized. Mindy Schizophrenics, McCurry. stigmatized. Republicans, stigmatized. <laughs> but but <laughs> They are. But mental health people. It, it, mental health disorders generally are stigmatized. Uh, but I think the idea that addiction is stigmatized is You're something- living in Aztec... As techian times, and we're talking about stigmas for mental health. It's ridiculous. Does this guy live in the United States of America right it, now? It's a professional. Try thing. being a, a person who tries to talk reasonably about anything in America. You're stigmatized as being too liberal or too conservative, right? The whole society stigmatizes. And, there, and the, the idea Wait, of saying, reason, oh, drug the, addicts are stigmatized. This guy is quoting John Kelly, who I've spoken to at length about this. Uh, another say, another stigmatized person. Yeah, no, he he's not. Said eighty nine percent of illicit drug use is non problematic. Uh, that's probably well. Not and he 80, says I, that AA doesn't work. Yeah. Well, yeah. if he wants to quote John Kelly, you better get me in line with John Kelly on that one. But <laughs> oh, but it's not a treatment. <coughs> so okay, so eleven percent of us, Dave. Let's get back to reality on planet Uranus, where we live. So eleven yeah. percent of the population who uses drugs are junkies, and we like being called junkies, and we're cool with it. So don't worry about us, and don't worry about stigmatizing us. Go defend the eighty-nine percent of the people that use Adderall, benzodiazepine, prescription opioids, Alcohol. and don't want to be called addicts. Go deal with them, sir. Yeah, those guys. There's a solution it's true. there. Wait, what are those guys? What, what, the, what A Sam called pseudo addicts. That's he. He doesn't the the and really it's it is race. White suburban people don't like being called drug addicts, huh. right? Maybe white white politicians <laughs> don't like calling white suburban people drug addicts. Maybe they don't mind calling black urban people drug addicts yeah. and murderers and right. rapists. That's certainly historical. So that it sounds somewhere in that thing, but I'm not talking to the 89. percent I'm talking to the 11. percent and and they're fine with it, and that's my people, well, and that's but, but who we're describing who, as junkies. But who is in that eighty nine percent population? Those are the mild drug users, substance use disorder. Some some who have died, which is interesting. Chris was a premier, like top tier drug 
user, right? Right. He's My friend who died, I don't even think was a drug addict. He just right. was abusing so, drugs and so, died. So maybe the point is well taken for people that are not actually addicts. They're just sort of what we call iatrogenic addicts caused by my profession. Maybe those people are the ones complaining about the stigma. Yeah. Because they so are really I'm addicts. fine and, and treatment doesn't work as well, well that's for them for sure. Right. So I would say, yeah, maybe that you need to go off and form your own modality to treat those so, people. So maybe this is something you and I have been talking a bit about. That it's getting a little blurry who the people are like we used to always treat. That's a, it and can't the, go from 3 to 5% of the population to 20% of the population in one generation. And and the solutions are for those 3 to 5%. Yeah. I think a proper assessment and saying, listen, you're an addict. Go to this. You're, there, an, there you're are, a pseudo addict. Go to that. You should be aware that there are a number of people that I've t- who looked like an addict. Are you me. gambling, Dave? He sounds like he's at a casino. He's chopping corned beef. <laughs> well, I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm getting to my dad's apartment, so it's warm now. But I want to say something really quickly. Before you do, it, you before say, you do, it, let me finish this thought. Wouldn't you Hang say on, Dave, 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 Dave. Let me that one separates these people. It. It's like when the fucking pseudo addict, when the pill, the casual pill taker, when the consequences get bad enough. And they find themselves fucked. That's when they're addicts, and they say, well, "I that's am what, an addict." But let me that's let, when they have I think to. the ultimate on, fucking is when they migrate to heroin and intravenous heroin well, use. Correct, but I I would argue, Dave, that within the population of people that get strung out on drugs because of their relationship with the medical system, there are people that can come that don't go to heroin can stop using, can be, and they look like an addict, and they might even be benefited from formal addiction treatment, things like cognitive behavioral therapy be very effective for them, that they, that they stop, and that's it. They stay stopped. And I've seen a lot of that. Yes. And when I started seeing it, I was- They gonna, don't stop the benzos, though. No. They stop, that's the they, thing. No, they, they stop, stop the opioids. Stop everything. And, and I used to be, I got confused by it because early in the epidemic, I was like, what, who are these Anxiety people? Anxiety starts to creep up with those people. I know the ones you're talking about. I'm they talking end about, up back at the doctor I'm, I'm three to five about, years. Oh, well, that's a different issue that, that they may have some underlying psychiatric problem for which they have some unregulated emotion. Anxiety but, is widespread. It's everywhere. Anxiety is everywhere. But, but yes, and they could be – so within that population of people that are pill users that are – brought on by a relation with the medical system. Some of them have a moderate genetic burden and some of them have almost no genetic burden. Right. And this is what I admire about the new nomenclature, which is it's trying to parse out who fits into what category by looking at the patterns of use. And that makes perfect sense to me. I also, but, to, but to do it because of stigma makes no sense to me. Well, I don't think <laughs> so. that. Well, because because for for the last 10 years since the Parity Act and Obamacare, yes, those people were stigmatized to have to go to cry help yeah, and yeah. rehab centers. And they weren't really just, addicts. They weren't. They, yeah. They're not. Personality-wise, they're not addicts. Okay, so maybe right? that's, well, biologically, they're not addict the way we like to clo- I think the it. recovery industry made billions of dollars treating them with a treatment that wasn't going to work for them. I'm fine with them going them. to other treatments as long as it's it's held as accountable as the drug and alcohol treatment centers are. It's mm-hmm. a little vague as to what people are getting in CBT when they get put on some the people we've had on here with the put on you get an implant and then you get therapy what is the therapy who's doing it what are the laws well, to that what is really going on there well if you look at the national institute of health website 
they list about 12 different kinds of therapy that are appropriate and and, and How frequent is it? What's the intensity right. of it? Correct. Uh, and all nobody of them, really defines that. Correct. And all of them are completely different. So uh, when I looked at that, I was like, oh, my God. We're I back. know people that are seeing a therapist once a month on the implants, yeah. once a month, yeah. and they talk to somebody on the phone. Yeah. That's not treatment. No, that's sort but of... But if you're charging $5,000 a month for that Ugh. because... That's the market that's available. It's cheaper than abstinence-based drug treatment. That's fourteen thousand a month. Jesus. I'm I'm just I'm always concerned about the buck in America. It, it, right? this, this part of the story is always reprehensible to me, Dave. Dude, Dave, what are you doing, buddy? David, the, the microphone went out on your end or something. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, it was on your end. I are trust you me. making some food? Are you Are you cooking up a well, spoon right now? Are you hot? It sounded like. It sounded like. <laughs> Take a break. Okay, <laughs> right back. Well, CBDs are everywhere, right? Everyone's talking about them, and it's a topic that I get asked about all the time. Bottom line on CBD, although there are way more claims made about them, the clinical evidence right now, it's not all that clear, but many people are using it and reporting great results, and they are very encouraging. So I want to first define exactly what I'm talking about here. CBD is cannabidiol, an extract from hemp. While you might associate with marijuana, CBD does not cause reinforcement. It is not the reinforcing component of hemp, but it is what's responsible for the calming or some of the relaxing effects that many people experience, not the high. Now about the products. There are a ton of them on the market today. For getting the vast array of the reported health benefits, it's important to be aware of what you're buying. I was recently introduced to a company called Select CBD, an Oregon-based company that focuses on high-quality ingredients and manufacturing standards, not the hype. Their CBD-based products are available in a wide range of formulations and flavors, each of which is described to you so you can make an informed decision without all those promises that are probably too good to be true. Like I said, the reported benefits of CBD by individuals using this are very compelling. I'm excited to see how things develop as the science catches up with this booming industry. As usual, the public is ahead of the science. I can't make explicit claims yet, but boy, the reports are pretty encouraging. So if you're ready to try CBD, I encourage you to check out Select CBD. To learn more, go to drdrew.com slash select. That's on my site, drdrew.com slash S-E-L-E-C-T. And for a limited time, you can save 25% at checkout with the code drdrew, D-R-D-R-E-W. Again, drdrew.com slash select, and then the code D-R-D-R-E-W. Well, it's hard to believe a year has passed since one of the worst cold and flu seasons on record, but here we are again. So if you happen to catch a bug, uh, the one thing every doctor will tell you is stay hydrated. Proper hydration eases a lot of the symptoms of many of these viral illnesses, and sports drinks, water alone, is not the issue. You need to be aggressive. You need something like Hydrolyte, full fluid replacement. Hydrolyte is this oral rehydration product you've heard me talking about. It's better than anything out there. It delivers the right balance of sodium, glucose, and water, providing up to four times the electrolytes sports drinks can offer, all with 75% less sugar. So think about that. It's like taking an IV by mouth. But my favorite thing is at the convenience. I'm always on the run, so I use the effervescent tablets. You just drop them in a water bottle or even a glass of water. I literally never leave home without them. No one in my family does, for that matter. And because Hydrolyte is appropriate for all ages, it's perfect for the little snowman amongst you when they come home from the school, perhaps sniffling. Hydrolyte comes in great flavors, orange berry and lemonade, available in a pre-mixed drink, a powder, or, like I said, those fizzy tablets. I love those. They go everywhere. Come in a little tube. Every package includes easy-to-follow dosing instructions. Order your supply today at hydrolyte.com slash drdrew. For a limited time, you can save 30%. We use the code at checkout, drdrew18. That's Dr. Drew18. So... 
either click through on our banner at drdrew.com or go to hydrolite.com slash drdrew and then use that code drdrew18. So tell us Something happened when you guys started talking about nomenclature and parsing out shit, and the mic went very, very quiet. Okay, so let me ask you this. (laughs) Are you... Bob was talking anyways. Are you... Are you... Um... Going to ever move back to New York City? He's in New York City. No, he's not. He lives in Connecticut. I don't think so. Right. Unless I get really wealthy, I don't. I don't see it. Yeah. Is there? Is there no like out out it's in the city uh, out past Chinatown on that peninsula out there? I heard there's cheap apartments out there. You know, my south- wife loves living where we live. Oh, my daughter does. loves living where we live. We just bought a house. It's nice. I don't. I I, I need to be really really rich. In order to make them move to Manhattan, Dopey needs to be like the new live with Regis well, you and just, Kathy Lee. You just reached to, one to million downloads. Did you know that, Drew? Wow. Dopey just had one million downloads. Good for you, Dave. Good for you, man. He did. Are you excited you. about that? Did what you... happened to the mic? Can you hear me? I, yeah. I can hear you. It's not the mic, it's your headset or something because we got you all out of clear. Plug your headset in better. <laughs> I'm plugged in. Oh, okay. Wait, you can't hear us? He. he he can't. He can hear us. No, he doesn't hear us well. I don't think. All right, uh, Dave. Do we have to let Dave go? <laughs> Is that what's happening? It's here? not working. It's technically we not didn't working. Even let him talk. All right, all right, Dave. Here, I want to let you. Can you hear me? We're gonna have to. He cannot hear me. a little bit. All right, I want to. I want to talk about another topic, you guys. We went way down a rabbit hole here, and and that is the issue. Like I was doing a podcast here uh, a couple, you know, a couple podcasts ago. And I was and I was I spent about ten minutes looking for our Facebook Live feed, right? Because we do a Facebook Live when we're doing these things. And so I'm on my phone looking for the feed. And when I get to the Facebook Live, there's all these entries. How dare you? How dare you? He's always looking at his phone. He's not listening. Blah blah blah. Well, that's because of Adam. Hold on. And, and they quoted that. And they quoted Catherine. Wood, and they quoted everybody that I'm too much on my phone. And I was like, I'm I'm looking for your feed so I can get your questions so I <laughs> right. can see what's going on. And then I thought. How I would never occur to me to say something like that. Somebody on a feed. Yeah, no, How judgmental! True. And then this is the part that bothers me. We're mind reading. We're always trying to mind read the other person. I know what he's doing. He's being distracted. He doesn't care about us. You can't read up people's minds. You can't do it. And stop it, everybody. Stop assuming that you know when you see something on TV what the people are thinking. That that is the most primitive danger. That that's as dangerous as acting out your judgmentalism and your outrage and your envy, which is really what this is all about, anyway. But acting out envy is the most destructive thing people can do. We're doing it all the that's time. That's all social media exists. All for. it is, but we're but we we do it on the most primitive levels. What I want to point out because they were just trying to read my mind that my mind was distracted or I was doing something all right, more important. Drew. All right. No, this is a serious issue. I no, like this. Brothers, I but... like this. Dr. Drew, you're kind of blasting your audience. I really like it. <laughs> well, I'm not blasting my audience. It's my and, audience, and, too. And I would argue it's not these guys' fault. <laughs> fucking cocksuckers. They think they're reading my mind all the time. They want to come on the stupid show, these guys. Well, <laughs> anyway, continue. I'll let Dave talk Sorry. for like 10 minutes. All right, but I'll let Dave He's talk. He's finally but I, in all right. a quiet place now. He's not all right, but I don't want to take issue with our viewers at present because they're no different than anybody else. We're all doing that. It's a mentality. We're all doing that. So go ahead, Dave. Talk about it. What do you want me to say? Well, you I, just went through it. I'll guide you. Terrible. I'll guide you, You guys Dave. are doing good. I love you, and I appreciate you having <laughs> no, me on. No, I got, no. what do you, unless you have a question. No, I've I'm got good. a question for yeah, you because when Chris died, a lot of people had ownership of him. 
and they tried to dictate you, to you what dopey was, what it, dopey needed to be. You'll notice I never did that. None of the people in Don't Die ever tried to do that to you, tell you what to do. But there was a lot of people telling you what to do. I think that's the, the busybody telling people what they have to say and what to do and reading their minds and criticizing. That's rampant in our society. And my well, dad taught me, in you my don't like something, switch the channel. Why are you listening to something that frustrates you? In in my experience with my audience, my audience is mostly like the best. Like I love the 99% of the fans. And I have to say, it's kind of exactly what we're talking about. The sober members of my audience, they're just like, do your thing. We like what you do. If we don't like it, we won't listen, whatever. The people who are doing drugs are like, that's not dopey. That's not dopey enough. I don't like, you should do this. And I'm just like, motherfucker, if you don't like what I'm doing, go make a fucking podcast. Good luck. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I make the show. If Chris and I made the show and we called it Dopey. Chris died. So whatever I do now is called Dopey. And like, you like it or you don't like it, but I'm just going to keep making the show. Well, yeah, that, that, it was more than 1%. You're saying it's 1% of your audience. It's more like 10%. No, I mean, I think it's that like there's, a, there's I think it's people who use. I think people who are on drugs want the show to be way like they don't like the recovery as much as they like the war stories. And that's fine. But the war stories don't exist on Dopey without the recovery, especially in the wake of Chris's death. Am I retarded that I'm going to like make <laughs> jokes about using when my, one of my best friends just died, the person who I made the show with, if I don't have any ownership of the fact that he died in a dopey story and I don't like that, it's not the same show. It can't so be. Everybody's he died from it. Everybody gets that criticism that you're talking about. But but I, I'm more worried. No, you know what? I It's not the criticism I'm I'm aiming at. I'm worried about what's going on with all of us, that that's what we think we should be doing or that's where our envy is taking us. That's You're talking about a spiritual vacuum that speaks about massive pathology throughout the land. We're letting envy overtake us and is the but most destructive that, emotions people have. Why did that lesson my dad said, if you don't like it, turn it off? How, why did that stick be, with be, me because, since I was eight years that's, old? Because that's the invisible hand. That's Adam Smith's marketplace. Now what they, now the, 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 the new version of that be? Kill that person that you don't if like. If you don't like it, destroy it. Yeah, yeah. That's envy. Where did that, that's envy. That's but narcissism. What, but what was my dad describing? Normal economic behavior of humans. So, Doctor Drew, that, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a quick question. Yeah. How is it envious? Explain that to me. Envy is an emotion that when you see something in somebody else that you don't have, or you'd like to have, or makes you feel diminished in any way, the impulse is I have to bring them down, as opposed to I'm jealous of them. I'm gonna have to work harder to get what they have. That that pisses me off. I don't like them anymore. I'm not gonna watch them. It makes me feel uncomfortable. But I'm gonna work hard to get that. You never see that. What motivation. You see, That's what you motivation. see is destroy, destroy. And then black, white thinking. People are all evil or all good. That is what – what do you call that kind of thinking? But what, where, where would we encounter that? In, infants. Well, splitting. All oh, good, borderline, all bad. Borderline. All good, all bad. 
that's the way people think. Today. But happy, sad, good, bad, all and, good, and evil, neg- yes. The way the great Roland Kim, my therapist of many years, used to describe it as infantile society. Correct. Well, and that's what the and some narcissism, as some people would argue, is a form of arrest, developmental arrest, because of a narcissistic injury early on, and you don't develop a flexible capacity to regulate in the world and see the world as gray as it actually and is. Don't you think the society was healthier say in the 40s 50s 60s no matter what it what, regulated no matter what abnormalities you, better and now the whole thing is just out of fill control. in the blank after don't you think society was healthier when whatever you put in there the answer is yes <laughs> <laughs> whatever you had in there it's yes <laughs> so so really although, 70s? I'm, I'm, no, I'm, your hated decade? Uh, no, the 70s are the reason we have this problem is what I think. But I, I really believe the only time I can find where it's been this bad is pre-revolutionary France. There must be others. We'll, we'll talk about it. But there must be other historical per- periods. But I definitely see it then. And things don't go well. Things and, don't go well when people And I like just this. noticed I, – I, I try not to pay attention, but there was a lot of people I felt dictating to Dave what dopey was. Correct. Right? Right, because – the, it's it's about me, man. It's well, the, a, it's, it's, but the Chris dying was the catalyst of them doing that. Were they doing that before, Dave? Not so much, but like, but it was a much different show before he died. You know what I mean? It didn't matter. We didn't give a shit about the show in the same way. The show was me and him talking, and then he would he would tell me he was editing it, but he wouldn't do anything, and he would put it up. And that was the show, and people were just happy to hear us talk. And, and, After to, be, he, and to be fair, whenever anybody dies around anybody, humans instinctively have this very primitive, what'd you do? It's your fault, your fault, your fault. Right. If somebody dies of depression in a family, what, what'd that family do? It, it's just a weird thing that humans do. I do that do. sometimes. Yeah, it's not okay. It's not good. You I don't yourself. act on it, but no, I but think that. No, but check yourself. That's not, that's I not, think that. I, I get it, and it's normal, but it's not well, good. Well, I have a thing about all the fathers that are advocating drug treatment because their children died of mm-hmm. it. I, I just have a real problem with that. Mm-hmm. But getting back to to Dopey, so here's something. I want to help you a little bit, relieve some of your guilt, Dave. You have Dr. Drew right here. He's going to be your therapist for a moment. Um, I don't have guilt. What are you kidding dopey, me? I have Jewish guilt. Dopey is way more popular now that Chris died. Well, How does Dave deal with that? Well, let me just tell you one of the things I just heard that Dave cannot tolerate is guilt. <laughs> so, <laughs> so don't do that to him. He can't tolerate it. I but, just heard that. Am but, I right, Dave? Dave, come I don't, on I now. Don't, I mean, like I was raised by guilt. I, I understand. <laughs> I like my third. I parent. understand that, and it may have my and, third parent. And, he and, said, <laughs> and I understand that. And I'm as I hear you, I'm thinking that may have something to do with the heroin, and you have nothing to do with it now. Well, I think. I think that's an interesting question, though, what Bob asked me, because I do like there is some fucked up, annoying factor in Dopey's popularity growing in the wake of Chris's death. Is that crazy? Like that, that it makes sense. Me. It makes sense in some well, weird let's, let's, way. Let's th- it makes sense in a weird way because it's dramatic and people like drama. It's a story and people like that. And, and let's be fair. A lot of us have put Dave out there more now because – because we're affected Christi, by right. it and we want to talk you know, about it. It's a story. It's yeah, a story. Yeah, it's a narrative and people heard about it and, and, we, and we're shocked by it and it's we want to talk about it. It's not because he's dead. It's because it was probably more, more 
interesting to hear about the show and you know it, it's a story it's a narrative and we were all affected by it and we're all talking about and it and real. that puts it out there so. can we now because it's been well, six... I've been promoting the crap out of him okay. Okay. it's, Dave, a great, my wife it's the greatest it it's the greatest <laughs> it's the greatest podcast about drugs that i know of. Yeah. but here oh, here's thanks. the thing well, no, ours is about medicine and treatment. Yeah, yours is different. Ours yours is, is a different. better podcast. But, <laughs> but, but let me tell you this. the the th- Six months is time enough, I think, to really talk honestly about it. The moment I saw it via text, I was like, motherfucker started believing his own bullshit. Yes, I That's did. what I, did, I thought. I had the same reaction, too. What did you it's think, so Dave? How this suddenly they just um, I honestly didn't. It took me a day to believe it. Yeah. I, 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 I still struggle with uh, the reality of it because I, I'm just furious that he lied. You know, oh, like the lie. Uh, yeah. Wait a minute. Slow junkies, down. junkies wait, wait a minute. what's the rule of junkies? <laughs> Ashley's here. Tri- rule Never number one, lie always. No, here, here's, how I, here's how I do with my... Ashley my, Hamilton my, is here. Yes, can, I, can I talk? I don't know. <laughs> well, uh, Dave, yeah. this is your guilty conscience talking. <laughs> oh, God. It's your fault. <laughs> and, and, and here's the way I would approach whenever somebody says something like that. I go, Dave, Dave, what? A junkie lied? Are you kidding me? <laughs> oh, my God. A junkie lied? Holy crap, Dave. That's but, crazy. That's not the, my point. That's not my point. The point, point is, is that he was lying to Dave, and for a year, for a year, I believe that argument I had with him about psychobabble. He was like, "I don't know psychobabble. I worked for Los Encinas for nine years. I know psychobabble upwards and downwards and forwards." And Chris was trying to throw psychobabble around, yeah. right? And we had this kind of confrontation about it. Yeah. Um, you were able to get him what you just said earlier in the podcast to get him to admit that it was psychobabble and bullshit. And at All the a certain, time. but All at a certain time. point, you couldn't get him to agree to be that amiable about it anymore, right? Because he stopped he, going to he, meetings, right? And he was gone, and he was using yeah. the thing. The reason this is why, like, of course, junkies lie. Of course, you shouldn't trust uh, active users. But the reason that Dopey was was good was because we were actually friends, and we were actually honest with each other, and we actually talked about stuff in our life. So, like, the fact that he didn't tell me about it. You know, that bothered me. And I also confronted him about it. I did not confront him about the yeah. fact that I thought he was using. I did. Well, let, and, let's, and he, let's reframe it. I'm going to bet that some of your feeling of anger is sort of guilt that you didn't push harder because you knew it on some level. I'm annoyed that I didn't know it more than I knew it. And hey, yeah. Ashley. Ashley's my new best friend. Uh, Ashley <laughs> fucking killed it on Dopey, <laughs> on Dopey this, okay. this week. He killed it. You guys should. It was amazing. We're Ashley, gonna, we're gonna have. We're, good, we're, buddy. It's we're, good to hear your voice. It's man. a little tease for the next podcast, but <laughs> one of the all-time great drug addicts in Chris category, I would say, yeah. is going <laughs> to no, be dude, a guest on the next worse. podcast. Ashley's worse. Worse than Chris. than Chris, and Chris he, he, is dead. <laughs> Ashley, you should wake up. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not actively using today, and I try not to let anything get to my head, man. Look, uh, you don't. I don't want anything to get in my head. That's a bad place. All right. That's the thing too. Dude, it talks about so much where like you know it says you know we, it's like the ego such you know that whole s- silly saying like the ego is not our amigo and all this stuff but like that struggle as seeking spiritual principles and then having to be in a business sometimes that throws all this stuff at you you have to like say so steady not letting that yeah. get your head because I've seen it with so many people when yeah. my friend Adam Goldstein died DJ Am I sponsored him we were talking about I sponsored him for years I was so close with that guy me too and I remember he said to me and then, and then he said to me like when all everything started happening he goes it's so hard because everybody's saying yes to me and giving me everything I want and it's so hard to stay like have that humility right size. And he was struggling with it and he knew it right you size. know 
He's trying Chris, to say right size, but, uh, but Dave's see, really I never, I never had that problem. Nobody ever wanted to give me fucking anything. <laughs> like I want a little DJ AM's problem. What the fuck? But, but AM, AM was another AM was another doctor created thing. Yeah, but Dave's yeah. Dave's guilt is this. Well, yeah. That for I believe for most of the dopey thing, you kept him in reality. Your friendship, you're calling him on his bullshit, the yeah. no-holds-barred approach to the show. At a certain point, he got so sick, it didn't it didn't center him in reality anymore. Did, did he have a new well, relationship I, or something? Cause that's no, he'd had that, it for a while. I mean, what's, yeah. what's new to he you? Was, he was, You've he been was married for how long? For a year. <laughs> he was with her for a year. Yeah. You know? yep, new and relationship. I to her. Um, I think I feel guilty that, like, I felt like he was sick of my bullshit. And I felt guilty for constantly giving it to him. Yeah, and then it didn't save him. I met you I think on Friday. I'm tired about all that. <laughs> <laughs> what did he say? He said, Ashley, he, you say? he said he met you on Friday and he's tired of your bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> this is what we do. We take the wind out of each other's sails. Yeah, Everybody yeah. asks me, I'm 23, I'll be 23 years sober in, in a month. If I nice. make it. And and the fact is, everybody says, well, how have you worked and been on television and done this and blown your anonymity and stayed sober? It's my friends. Mm. Dave and you and I have talked about this. There are friends of mine who don't like celebrity rehab, don't like that I blew my anonymity, tell me all the time, any, and keep me right size so reality is there whenever I would drift away, Right. And, right. and people, I think, put too much emphasis on a sponsor's responsibility to do that. No, it's the whole community of my home group that's done that in one way or another. And and when somebody's attacked me too harshly and, and criticized me too much, the other guys pick me up and say, fuck him. Don't listen to him. You're great. You've helped a lot of people. Every Being a part of that 12-step community keeps you breathing, Drew. Yeah, I get It that. keeps you I, breathing. Listen, I understand. I don't know if I told this story before, but I just want to say it because, I mean, Ashley, you're going to be a much better guest on the show than I was, so I look forward (laughs) to hearing your appearance. I'm glad you set the bar real low for me then, so so I can't fall (laughs) in. But but real quick, I I I don't know if I told you this story, Drew, Dr. Drew. Uh. Um, uh, I think a week before Chris died, and and Bob had come on the show, I think, three, three or four times over the years, doing us a favor, being generous, always saying nice shit about Dopey. And I'm walking home from Katz's uh, to the train, and I look at the phone, and the phone's ringing, and it's fucking Bob Forrest calling me up. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? So I answer the phone, and it's Bob. And Bob says, Dave, I'm calling you uh, because one of my friends just died, and I think it's really important that you you get the message of don't die, Mm. and you integrate it into Dopey. Because too many people are dying. Mm-hmm. Okay. He called me literally the week that Chris died to tell me that mm-hmm. out of out of the ether, out of no place. We talked for like an hour about our kids, about addiction, about this and that. And then two days later, uh, me and Chris are recording Dopey. Okay. And uh, and Chris is high as shit. Chris is the highest he ever was on Dopey, like barely paying attention. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. 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 Okay. So so I'm 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 like. And I'm realizing that Chris is fading out. And I say to Chris, I say, Chris, by the way, you know who just called me yesterday? And he goes, who? And I said, Bob Forrest. And he goes, wow, what did he want? And he said, he told me to quit Dopey and do a TV show with him about sobriety. It's called <laughs> Dave and Bob. And Chris goes, wow, 
He goes, he goes, well, I wish you a lot of luck. <laughs> and I said, I said, what the fuck is wrong with you? I said, I'm joking. I'm joking. He goes, he goes oh, that's really great that Bob wants to do a TV show. He's really, he was so high that he believed the story, you know? And like, it was just so sad, but it was also so crazy that you just plucked the whole thing out of the ether. And I think that is pretty intuitive and nuts. Isn't that crazy, Dr. Drew? That, this, I, I hear and see shit like that all the time in recovery. M- m- way, way more beyond. So it's not crazy. Well beyond my <laughs> ability to explain sense. with my scientific mind. Okay. Right. Right. So, all right, Dave. We got to wrap Good this to see up. Dave, I sorted that TM stuff out for you. So make sure you uh, email the the girl. Yeah. Definitely. That right. Jai Guru Deva. I'm in. Right. Count Sweet. me in. All right. Thanks, guys. All right, buddy. So there we, we go. Bye. Great to see you. Have live. a great week. Bye bye. All right, that's about it for this episode of This Life. Thanks for listening and subscribing on your favorite platforms. Rate us five stars and tell a friend. Also, be sure to visit drdrew.com for the latest news. We'll tell you where you can find all of our health-related content, including the latest in-depth series, The History of Opium. You can now listen to it on the Weekly Infusion podcast. We have some great and very interesting and appropriate interviews with key historical players in the history of opium. We're excited about our newest podcast, Dr. Drew After Dark, which has been described as a dark web reboot of Loveline. It's the hottest guest spot for all the most popular comedians. Beware, it is for a mature audience. It is kind of a reboot of Loveline. You can hear the episodes first in a podcast form Thursday. Then on Friday, you can watch all the video episodes when the YouTube page drops on the Your Mom's House YouTube channel. New episodes every week. Subscribe, tell a friend. Also on Doctor.com, you can find Swole Patrol, our health and fitness podcast with Mike Catherwood. If you want something a bit more refined that will expand your intellectual horizons, please subscribe to the Dr. Drew Podcast, where I feature a wide variety of very interesting and important guests. Get in-depth interviews there. Last but not least, me and Adam, Adam and Dr. Drew Show Podcast. It's a lot of fun, and we are still together, and you can get it five days a week. So go to drdrew.com, please tell a friend, and we thank you for it. And thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.